Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I'm Brendan Bashan Sullivan. I'm an undergrad and I work for the Yale Sustainable Food Project. Um, I'm sitting here with Bren Smith, who's the founder and uh, proprietor of the Thimble Island Oyster Company uh, off the coast of Brantford here in Connecticut. Um, Bren, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so what I want to talk to you about now is uh, your work with uh, the your work within the foodie framework. Uh, Thim- Thimble Island uh, ob- obviously is is a one man operation more or less. Um, you're 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 not turning out um, the kind of production counts that would allow you to um, supply a supermarket. Um, so I'm curious about uh, your distribution. Um, I, I was reading that Thimble Island for the last couple of years has operated a CSF, which is a, a, a sort of a new spin on this uh, community-supported agriculture model, a community-supported fishery where, where clients would pay a subscription fee and receive boxes of fresh sea produce um, you know, to pick up at the docks every month. Um, so I'm wondering, um, more generally, how you see the the patterns of uh, of farmers market agriculture, um, small scale community supported agriculture, uh, being applicable to fisheries um, and other and other innovations from in, that have become popular in recent years, like the farmers market. How you see those uh, fitting? Uh, operations like yours, especially when you when you're not producing at a level that would cure you into the mainstream supply chain. Yeah, um, I mean, in many ways, I've just been stealing from the the land based food movement. You guys have been so far ahead, and the oceans and, and um, is, are just so far behind. We're still stuck in the monoculture, even with the most sustainable farms, a monoculture model. What I realized we started the CSF a couple of years ago it was the first CSF in. Um, uh, in New York, Connecticut area. And um, and what I realized was oh, people are only going to eat a, uh, so much shellfish. Right? They're not going to eat, unlike uh, vegetables and stuff, they're not going to eat, you know, 100 oysters every week. So I had to diversify and, and create what we're thinking of as a sea basket um, to have multiple things, switching things in and, out, in and out, everything from invasive species to seaweeds to, to oysters and clams. Um, and I tested a lot of um, uh, the food ideas inside the CSF. It was almost like a focus group. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, and what I found in there is a couple things. One is the the most surprising thing about the CSF was that it created a community in and, in and of itself of all these people coming up with new recipes with the oysters, with the clams, with the Asian shore crabs, all sorts of stuff. And they began interacting. So I never, I knew I'd be supplying food, but I never thought there'd be a community around it. And then that community has been really important because when I've gotten destroyed in major storms and things like that, they've all been there to support the farm. And so after I got wiped out by Sandy, um, everybody wanted to help. And the first thing everybody did, even though they weren't getting any um, shellfish, was to... Um, uh, buy another share for next year. So it became sort of a citizen's insurance program. So anyway, so that's a piece. But the, I'm a small operation, and I operate through almost a network model where I have partners, not financial relationships so much, but sort of allies in all different areas, uh, whether it's biofuel, whether it's land-based farming, whether it's uh, chefs. And on the chef front, they've been incredibly um, uh, uh, supportive. And so we're doing a whole range of stuff. We have um, supper clubs, 
in Manhattan where um, chefs, uh, where restaurants come, uh, you know, invite 70 people, make a one-time meal based on everything that comes from the farm. The seaweed that we started growing has just opened up this, um, uh, a whole new, uh, uh, a, a whole bunch of creativity out of the chef community. We now have, just in the last several weeks, kelp moonshine, carrot and kelp cocktails, I, um, we have, there are over 10 kelp cocktails coming out of, uh, uh, one company I'm working with in New Orleans and, and, um, uh, uh, in Brooklyn, kelp butter, Cassie is right here in, in New Haven. Um, we've got some amazing, uh, folks at the Yale farm coming up with, uh, uh, kelp ice cream, which I just can't taste. So this bringing this new crop that people hadn't really thought of has just, I think, opened up the doors for, um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the chefs. So oysters, uh, you know, historically um, have have at times been been fairly common and, and considered a staple. Um, at other times, they've been kind of a rarity and and a bit of a delicacy. They're, they're a, they they have been a food um, that becomes associated with people of privilege or or or, or of a certain a certain standing. Um, I'm I'm curious about. Um, the target market, both who you're reaching right now with your produce and, and, and your hopes for broader changes in, in the way that we consume seafood. Um, you know, what, what is your, what is, what is the hope for, for oyster and kelp consumption and how do you hope to, to, to change the, the, the way in which people look at kelp, um, as, as though to say, you know, is, is this, is this something to be eating every day? Is this a weird sort of oddity that you'll have, as as you mentioned, at a night out at a supper club, or is this something that 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 people can incorporate into their diet on a monthly or weekly or daily basis? Mm, yeah, I mean oysters are interesting because it's one of the few foods that both the poor and working class ate traditionally, and the rich ate, and it maintained its status as a. Uh, as a, a elite food, oyster smoked oysters were the peanut in all ball games. Right? You didn't eat peanuts; you'd, you'd throw, you know, you'd toss back a bag of uh, smoked oysters. But then, at the same time, the um, you'd find in Grand Central Station and places like that. So the uh, all the political deals being made around uh, oysters. So um, uh, and but oysters have evolved really now, and it is it's an elite market, um, and uh, they're so expensive for me to grow. That is really um, who I market to. Kelp is this whole different world, and I think it's opened up all this possibility because the idea is it's so nutritious. So seaweeds have more iron than red meat, more protein than soybeans, more calcium than milk. Right? So you have an incredibly um, nutritious thing that could be grown at incredible volume. Um, if uh, uh, um, the, there was a study out of University of Amsterdam that said if you took a, a farm the size of Washington State, you could grow enough sea vegetables to technically feed the world. Now, not everybody is going to eat seaweed, but you have something that's very nutritious and that can go to scale. Um, and you can see the outlines of something we might think of as ocean vegetarianism, changing the dinner plate um, uh, to include sea vegetables. And the idea of ocean vegetarianism is why do we always have to eat fish? Let's eat what, like fish. Let's eat what fish eat. Because fish, they don't make omega-3s and all these wonderful nutrients. They eat them. So if we eat the plants that fish eat, we get all the benefits. Um, so 
there's the traditional shellfish, which is, again, restorative, not harmful, it's delicious, things like that. But the sea vegetable realm, I think, opens up a whole new set of possibilities. Can you talk uh, a little bit more in depth about some of these uh, some of these beverage companies featuring the kelp? How you made those connections? Uh, what what the what the working relationship um, is is like um, from the supplier's point of view, and also you know how how you make connections and and are able to um, to meet production needs uh, with a with a group as far away as New Orleans. Um, how do you how do you how do you manage the business side of things as a uh, as an experimental supplier? Uh, very poorly, <laughs> <laughs> we we um, very very poorly. Um, uh, I the um, uh, I think what I spend a lot of my time doing is sort of being a, a ocean farm ambassador. So I spend I spend um, probably. I know six days a month taking people out on the boat on tours, and that's everything from NGO leaders and politicians to regulators, but mainly because it's my market folks is um, uh, chefs, restaurants, suppliers, and Whole Foods taught me something when I used to sell to Whole Foods, and when when I went in, they said, "How few oysters are you willing to sell us to make it worth your time?" They said, "50 oysters a week." 75 oysters a week and they were willing to give me a very high price and I said you know this I said this is a really weird negotiation I thought you'd want tons and I wouldn't be able to supply enough as a small operator and they said no we're going to lose money on your oysters we don't we don't want your oysters we want your story and they said we don't sell food we sell stories and there was a huge lesson to me as far as um, uh, understanding sort of the underpinnings of food it's, it's that people come around to a meal um, and they um, sit and they want to talk about the food. They want to talk about the history and the community surrounding the food. And so part of my job as a farmer is to provide those stories, right? So when, so when people have their supper clubs, there's, um, they're just not eating nutrients. You know, they're, 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 they're really getting the cultural part. So because I've done that, it's opened up, I think, a lot of doors. I'm very lucky that I'm so close to New York City, that people have been so receptive and are starting to see Long Island Sound because it's be it's such an environmental success story as a resource that we can get these new interesting ingredients out of. Um, as far as uh, long-distance suppliers, I actually don't supply long-distance. I keep everything uh, very close to the farm. Um, the company I'm working with in, uh, is based in Brooklyn and New Orleans. That, uh, that's the reason. It's interesting to hear you talk about uh, about the the added value that that your story um, is for 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 supper clubs and for and for many of your of, of the people who end up um, eating your food, especially in light of of what we were just talking about with kelp. That there's a hope that that the norm or the 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 habitual dinner plate is going to change, and that. In in a way that your a, a story like yours is no longer going to be compelling or interesting because it will be common and habitual and I think it's 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 been a real pleasure to talk to you because of because of all these stories but we're we're sitting at a place where uh, where maybe one day um, you know there there will there will be no reason to have the Brensmiths of the world. Uh, into the studio, just because there will be so many of them, I, th- I think that would be uh, that would be a uh, an interesting setup to see food like yours um, 
pass into habitual kind of unremarkable use if 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 i don't matter anymore it means i've succeeded and then i can retire and die happy you know that's the if um uh if i'm not just the only person doing kelp and supplying different kinds of food and using long island as a, a resource there are many of us i'd say that's the model of success well, Brent, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I hope uh, I wish you the very best in your in your quest to fade into obscurity. Um, <laughs> th- it, really, thank you so much for coming in and 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 tell and giving your story to us. Um, uh, again, I've been sitting here with Brent Smith, the founder um, and proprietor of the Thimble Island Oyster Company, off the coast of Brantford here in Connecticut. Um, I'm Brendan Bashan Sullivan. Um, I work for the Yale Sustainable Food Project, um, which made these podcasts possible. So, Bren, thank you very much. Um, I, I really, real really pleasure. appreciate it. Honor to be here. Thanks, Brendan. Well, thanks. Yeah. Bye now. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.yale.edu/sustainablefood.